Welcome back. Thank you for listening. This episode is called Losing Yourself Part 1. And the losing yourself, you have to put quotation marks around the yourself this time. I've never done this before. I've done the two-parter, but we'll see how this goes. And before I go into it, I need to say two quick things. Well, actually three. One, thank you for listening. But two, uh, I have started a charity water account because I have a birthday coming up in December, but I thought it would just be nice to jump on board with this organization because you can donate money through it and it helps to give people some clean water. So in the show notes or in the info for this episode, I'm going to put up the link to that and let's just... uh, try to help some other people around the world get some clean water. Um, And then the third thing is I've tried to record this episode maybe 10 times. And every time I sat down to do it, I either wasn't happy with it or partway through an idea came to me and I just had to start over and then try to work that into it. So this episode and next episode originally started as a one part episode, but I decided there's so much, maybe two would be better. So this is called Losing Yourself. And no, it's not really supposed to be a call out to the song by Eminem, uh, Lose Yourself. Instead, this is a call out to (laughs) all three of the synoptic gospels. Uh, which talk about the life of Jesus. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, we call them the synoptic because all three of them talk about Jesus in a similar fashion than the Gospel of John does. And that creates a whole bunch of questions for us. But in the middle of all of it, there is a section, which is one of the turning points, at least in Mark, and you could maybe say that in Matthew and Luke as well, where Jesus says this really profound statement about what it means to follow him. It means to pick up your cross daily and follow him. Luke's gospel says daily. The other two don't, but they mean the same thing. Pick up your cross and follow him. Just in that same section, it says if you lose yourself, you'll save yourself. But if you try to save yourself, then you'll lose yourself. Now, Different translations say that in different ways, but I got stuck on that. And in part because I have really enjoyed the writings of Thomas Merton, whom I have mentioned before. But he went pretty far into this whole question of what does it mean to have a a true self and then even a false self. So this episode and next episode is all about the false self this episode, and next episode, The True Self, and you're supposed to listen to both of these uh, because they they build off of one another and they bounce back and forth some ideas. So that's enough of an introduction. I just want to get right into it. This one is, as I said, losing yourself. And I think in order to start it, I have to speak biographically. And by that, I mean, there was a season when I forgot who I was. 
I started to spend the majority of my time and my energy trying to live up to other people's expectations of me, to improve my titles and to not step on anyone else's toes. And so to be brief, I found out that that was a never-ending task to live up to other people's expectations, to try never to offend anyone. And, And in the course of all of that, I lost sense of who I was. And perhaps you've gotten to that point as well, but have you ever um, have you ever looked in the mirror and you just didn't quite recognize yourself because maybe you feel like the past couple months you've cared about things that you usually don't care about and it feels like your own day is strange to you? Um, perhaps you've looked in the mirror and, and not recognized yourself. And it's because the self that I made or the self that maybe you've made was more propped up and held together by things that don't really matter. And so this episode is going to unpack all of that because this episode is about how to lose the false version of yourself that you've made up. And I'm going to do I'm going to reference some things that have happened to me because Henry Nowen once commented that in order to, oh, what is it? How does he say it? For some reason, the particular is also the most universal. And so I have to talk about my story. And by going into specifics, it will probably make it more accessible and more universal. Now, losing yourself. Um... Thomas Keating was a monk that just recently passed away a number of weeks ago. But he said um, that we all have a false self, a, a version of ourselves that we've created that we think makes us the most desirable or the most likable. Or it's really just, in some sense, it's okay. The false self is the version of ourselves that we've made that can seem to survive the best in our family of origin, in our workplace, in the world. Sometimes we create a version of ourselves because we think that version will survive the best. But the problem is that that's still not really who we are. So Thomas Merton influenced Thomas Keating. Thomas Keating said this, the self Developed in our own likeness rather than in the likeness of God. This is the false self. The self-image developed to cope with emotional trauma of early childhood. It seeks happiness in satisfying the instinctual needs of survival and control. And it bases its self-worth on cultural or group identification. The false self is when you look at yourself in the mirror, just like I did, and you didn't recognize yourself, it might be because you have crafted a version of yourself that, yes, can survive the best, but maybe also that can control 
the situation or the world around you as you think the best. Now for Thomas Keating, he gave some insight and wisdom that we should all abandon that version of ourselves because that version is actually quite manipulative and is really just a shell or a husk of who we really are. And you may have even seen this in religious circles. Uh, some people, they, they've constructed a whole personality around their religion. And to some sense, that, that can seem okay, but the false self loves external religion and how it can give the perception of being holy, of being altogether, of being pious, of having conventional worth that everyone can look to and say, this is a model person. However, the problem with the false self, oh man, oh geez, is this. Sometimes our false self can become our God. Now, if, if you don't like the word God, at least use this understanding. For some people, their false version of themselves is their organizing principle. It's the thing of which they structure their whole reality around this false version of themselves. And by doing that, they've made their entire life built upon a shell and a husk and a mask but not really anything of depth or meaning or vulnerability or you see what I mean. And there's a, there's an element of all of us have a false self that likes to keep things on the surface level. We want the surface to be good because it's easy to make the surface look good. In fact, Jesus even talks about some people in really harsh ways where he says, all of you are like whitewashed tombs. Whitewashed meaning painted. You can be a tomb that looks beautiful because you've painted it really nicely. But inside, you're still full of death and decay and darkness and dust. and ugh. You see what I mean? Jesus had incredibly harsh words to say about people who try to maintain the external composure to keep their surface life going and keep it looking good when actually inside they are a wreck. And so the false self hates and squirms and avoids or maybe it just shuts down when Religion starts to get too close to the real wounds, to the real issues in our own lives. When it starts to confront the theatrics and the need to impress, um, the false self shuts down religion. And this is one of those things where religion can get us halfway there to being real, where it, it provides us with the language but there is a way in which we can make our false self into like a barricade that actually keeps 
our own faith, our own spiritual path that keeps other people from digging just like scratching a little below the surface. Now, (laughs) all of this may seem like too much what I'm about to say next, but what you want every so often in your own life is an apocalypse. (laughs) Now, most people think an apocalypse has to do with the end times and the end of the entire universe and, and all of that. But really, the word apocalypse just means the a revealing of something hidden. And so every so often, it's actually good for each of us to go through an apocalypse that reveals to us what's been hidden all along. Think of a, a whitewashed tomb or a tomb that's been painted Somebody smashes beneath the surface and you actually get a chance to look inside. You're like, oh my gosh, this is, there's death in here. But on the outside, it looked so good. Every so often, it might be a grace that we have an apocalypse happen to us. Uh, An event that shakes our world, that cracks our shell, that peels away the husk that chips away at the paint that we've layered up to make ourselves look good. And so you and I, we want something that will come along and tear the veil away and reveal something that we've been trying to keep hidden. Now, this is, is of course, pretty difficult, but an apocalypse on a small scale it will feel like it's destroying you. But that's good because it's really not destroying you. It's destroying the surface version of you. Do you understand? Are you with me? You following? Because there's a few different ways in which we have created or crafted a version of ourselves Um that needs to be stripped down. The most obvious version is Instagram and Facebook and you can say Snapchat, you can say all of social media because everyone puts up a digital version of themselves. But that digital version is literally just flashes and images but not the whole person. In some sense, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all of them enable us to be like tombs that are very well painted. And so Jesus, 2,000 years ago, was tapping into something that might be endlessly true. We all have the tendency to polish the most external version of ourselves and yet neglect what's going on deep beneath the surface. And so sometimes the digital self that we make, it is a false self. It's a polished version of ourselves that leaves out our own undesirable traits. And and like I said before, on some level, the false self is about survival. Just be the person that can survive even though it comes at the cost of your own soul. 
Remember in, in Mark, Matthew, and Luke, it says, what good is it to gain the whole world yet to lose your soul, your psyche, your suke, your butterfly, the thing, the, the most central point in version, the deepest, truest version of you. What good is it to gain everything yet to lose that, uh, that internal spark of who you are? We all have a false self that fights for its own being. It wants to perpetuate its own existence. It has a, a continual pursuit of existing as like a billboard or as a commercial that hopes that others will want to buy into the product that is us. And this is really kind of shocking in some sense because you you know stories where people hit their 40s or 50s and they wake up and they realize that they have no understanding of who they are or what their values really are because they've been living as a false self for so long and they've avoided or denied or repressed every apocalypse, every hardship that ever came. And as a result, their false version of themselves has become like a very thick shell. And so many people, many of us are afraid of exposing and doing away with our false self because we may on some level already know that if we do away with it, then we're going to have to confront our own hollow and empty self. The reality that we have allowed ourselves to just become like a container for our own favorite vices. But on the outside, we're, we look good, you know? I guess in some sense, it, it would almost be like having a really, really beautiful glass <laughs> that you can drink from, but on the inside, it's filled with motor oil. It's like, you don't want to drink that. Yeah, the outside of the cup looks great, but on the inside, it's death to drink. And uh, I think I think we got to say two more things, and then we'll wrap it up. And remember, this one is just about the false self. The next one's about the true self. So this is just about the external version. What I came to realize one day is I woke up and I found out that I didn't feel like myself. And on some level, this came about because an apocalypse happened to me where I was confronted with a lot of disappointment and anger and having been manipulated. I was just, oh my gosh. And what ended up happening was the false version of myself that I had made that I thought that could survive and control my world around me was proven to not be able to really survive or to really control anything around me. And that, that tore me down. I think I, I think I went through a couple of months of either sleeping four hours a night or 14 hours a night because my brain was either overthinking about it or just wanted to shut off. 
But I had to do what every good person tries to do. And it's do some honest soul work and look at the internal and ask on the inside, what what's going on with me? Who am I really deep down when I take away all of the distractions, all of the expectations of other people? When I do away with all of the hobbies that I picked up because people said I should or people said that I would find enjoyable but kind of I really didn't. It's just like, oh my goodness. An apocalypse can be grace happening to us if it helps us become more real, if it helps us to ask those best and deepest questions. So here we go. (laughs) I'm getting a little excited about this. Um, I've got a question for you and then some tips. Okay, and then we'll wrap it up. Here's the question. If it's true that every one of us are prone to making a false version of ourselves, here it is, then how is the reality of a false self good news? Like, what is good about the fact that we have a false self? And here we go. The good news about knowing that you have a false self is that you know you have a false self. (laughs) But guess what? It's that your mask can be taken down. It's removable. Every one of us had to come across to realize that the version of ourselves that we created to try to survive and control our environment It's good news to find out that that thing could never have saved us. It's good news for that because then it helps us to say this doesn't work and it helps us to drop it and then to become more real. It's, It's a good thing to become aware of your surface level version of yourself because as long as you deny that you've got a mask that you put on every so often around certain groups of people, around certain family members, around certain work proximity associates, unless you admit that you have that, then you'll never be able to take it off for good. And it kind of goes back to that verse. If you want to save your life, you'll end up losing it, right? But if you lose your life, you'll actually save it. Soren Kierkegaard talked about Christianity as though it is the religion of paradoxes. Well, this is one of those paradoxes. If you try to save your false self, your entire life, the billboard, the commercial, the shell, the external surface level version of yourself. If you spend your whole life trying to maintain and to save that version of yourself, then you will lose yourself. You feel me? You with me? You understand? If you always are trying to protect the paint job but never get into the depths of who you are, then you're going to lose the depths of who you really are. And so here are the tips. You ready? 
have courage. Because maybe losing your theater version of yourself, the the actor version of yourself, but not the deepest version of you, maybe losing that false self will actually save you in the long run. It will be painful, but maybe it will save you in the long run. And you'll know when you are bolstering up your false self, the surface level the surface level version of yourself, you'll know that you're working on that version of you rather than the deepest you when after this conversation with this person or after this activity, you feel diminished. Like you feel less of who you are, you know? And so don't say things that will make you feel less of who you are. Don't do things that will make you feel less. The same thing with social outings, like don't hang out with a group of friends if you feel less of who you really are when you spend time around them. And you know what? If you've never done this before, if you've never learned how to say no to other people's expectations, if you've never learned how to say no to certain activities, if you've never learned how to say no to this invitation of friends that want you to go out, it will be hard, but at least you will start protecting that life that's inside of you, the truest, deepest, most honest, and most real version of yourself. And you know what? If you can't set some boundaries because you have to be around certain people because you work with them, um, then, then just try to limit time around those people. Try to limit the time that you spend around people that don't really seem concerned with letting you be you. Just cut them out of your life or at best limit how much time you have to spend around them. And so here's another tip. Like just try this. For a week, never talk about the things that you do. Like don't, don't define yourself by your job or your hobbies, but instead, if you are going to talk about yourself, talk about yourself according to the virtues that you're trying to work on. Mm-hmm. And then here's the last one. And this is really the most difficult, I think. I had to come to a point when my mini apocalypse happened. And I had to confront my false version of myself. I found out uh, that there were some people that had multiple narratives of what I was really like. There were people that were trying to define me differently. And I made a conscious decision to never defend myself. To never give an excuse. To never try to explain. But instead just always try to take the high road. And that's it. Because think about it. Every time that you might get defensive, that might be you trying to protect your surface level false version of yourself. Every time that you get 
angry and you feel the need to defend yourself, that might be you trying to protect your unhealthy sense of ego. You're trying to protect your reputation. Well, that's an endless task. So make a promise for a week or maybe maybe even for the rest of your life. Endeavor to never defend yourself again, but instead always take the highest road possible. And by doing that, you're not feeding your false self. And instead, what you are doing is redirecting that energy toward just trying to be the most real and authentic version of yourself that's still trying to grow into greater character and integrity and well, I guess the true sense of yourself. You're trying to grow into that. So this was losing yourself, but the yourself is in quotation marks because this episode isn't really about losing you. It's about losing the quote-unquote you. And it's a good thing to lose the quote-unquote you If that version is really just a mask, it's a paint job, if it's the surface level, if it's the shell or husk of who you really are, it's okay to lose that version of yourself because according to Kierkegaard, (laughs) the Jesus path is all about losing yourself so that you can actually save yourself. And so here's my benediction. May you, the listener, learn how to lose yourself so that you may save yourself. May you lose the shallow surface level paint job of a mask (laughs) that you have created. And in losing that, may you then find yourself saving who you really, truly, most deeply are. And then may you live out of that truest, deepest, most honest, and most real version of yourself instead. May grace and peace be with you.